Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Listener Production. Hey, I'm Pro Surfer and mental health advocate Cooper Chapman, and this is Good Humans. Everybody loves Aussie Underdog, and that's why Morgan Siblick is a big name to be watching right now. It's his first year on the world tour. He's also a super humble guy and he knows a really smart way to trick himself into being right in the zone in no matter what situation he's in. Welcome to the podcast, Morgan Siblick. Hey, how's it going, everyone? (laughs) (laughs) Nice to have you here. So, Morgan, let's chat about the last week of your life. It's been a hell of a ride and obviously very exciting for you. Give me the rundown of what's happened the last week. Um, yeah, well, long story short, pretty much, uh, I got third in my second ever CT and that was actually a huge roller coaster of a week, um, or pretty much nearly two weeks, uh, broke my fifth metatarsal and br- badly bruised my, um, foot. And then, yeah, I was on the rocks, whether I could surf the, the whole Aussie leg, cause it hurt pretty bad, but then, yeah, I talked to some specialists and, um, yeah, everything turned around and they said, yeah, you're all, all good to surf in this competition and, yeah, you should be nearly fine for the rest of it but you'll still have that minor fracture for the rest of the um, leg. But, yeah, everything turned around and, yeah, I had a good competition so I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, it's like you said, for anyone listening, the CT's the World Championship Tour for men's surfing and Morgs is... 21 now? Yeah, yeah 21, one of the youngest guys on the tour. And to come third in an event is a huge feat, but to do it in your second event ever is absolutely massive. So that event was at your home break. So, yeah, let's talk about Merriweather, how important that event was for you to get to serve in front of your home crowd. Yeah, basically um, it's a pretty tricky wave, Merriweather, the rocks where the competition was held mainly. Um, it's like... Yeah, there's a lot of different variables in that wave, especially on the different swell directions and just knowing how it breaks and what waves to go and what direction waves you need to go and even like what turns you want to do on the waves um, factors in like hugely and having that local knowledge definitely helped us so much, me and Ryan and Jack and Philippa um, and yeah, it's definitely helped me get through some pretty big heats in that competition so it was good. What about the local support? I know sometimes local support can be very counterproductive and sometimes it can work very well in people's favour. And I know listening to some of your previous stuff and being a good friend of yours, you've spoken about the big crowd, something that kind of scared you. What was it like last week having that crowd right there on the beach? Yeah, I, I'm, I suppose you'd know as well, surfing in front of your home at North Narra. Uh, it gets pretty – it's pretty daunting, you know, Um just you kind of like feel like you have to do really, really well in front of all your friends and you really want to impress them. So it kind of adds a lot of more pressure, in my opinion, to um, doing well. And 
Yeah, usually in, in most competitions, uh, especially over the past like couple years, I've been really nervous surfing in front of all my friends and um, family and just even in front of people I don't even know. It's pretty daunting. Just I don't want to like, be made a fool of kind of. I really just want to put on my best show and not stuff up. And yeah, but coming into this event, I was actually in a really good mindset and um, I think just part part of the fact that due to um, I started doing a bit of training and kind of just worked on being the best I could to be to put myself in a position to compete well in that competition and um, yeah it kind of turned away around the way I looked at surfing in front of a home crowd and um, I definitely I felt right at home out there and uh, everybody at home was so supportive after every wave I'd catch everybody was just cheering and yeah it was a really good feeling. You made some changes, obviously, going into this season. You had last year off, which we will talk a bit more about that later. But what sort of preparation did you go going into that home event? You had Hawaii at the end of last year. You come into this year, your first event gets announced at Merriweather. What, for one, what was the feeling like when you first got told your first proper event in Australia is going to be at home? And what sort of preparation were you doing? Who were you working with? And what sort of mentorship were you getting? Um, yeah, well... Basically, um, I didn't actually do too much going into Hawaii and uh, I don't know, I just actually didn't feel like I was at the CT level yet. Um, and then I was over there and Gabriel Medina was there and I got talking to him because he, he was staying in the Rip Curl house as well and came back just to kind of hang out, brought his girlfriend over and was just surfing with all of us and hanging out with us and um I just had a chat to him and I was like, oh, so like, do you train much and what do you do? And he was like, mate, I train so much. Like he, I, he said, um, I surf my best when I'm hurting after a training session, the second day after I'm hurting and when I'm still hurting. And I, I, that just like kind of blew me away. I was like, how, how does that help you when you're hurting? And he just said like, um, he just feels like as soon as he just goes out there, all of his muscles are turned on and he just doesn't fall off. And he said, if it wasn't for me training this hard, I wouldn't be as good as I am right now. And I kind of like looked at him and I was thinking, I really want to beat you. <laughs> I'm going I'm to beat you one day. So um, I went home and kind of changed some things and moved up to the Gold Coast away from maybe a couple of distractions in Newcastle out of the water um, and got in contact with the guys at the High Performance Centre of Surfing on uh, in Cabarita there and um, just started doing a bit of training in the gym there and working a lot closer with my coach, uh, Jay Boulder thompson and kind of doing a bit of mental stuff with him. We do a lot of pressure drills in my training um, more so than anything else just to make sure my mind's um, kind of a bit stronger in the water and... Um, yeah, just kind of stayed away from drinking and having fun with my friends as much and um, definitely just putting the time in the gym just made my surfing just feel a lot more solid. And then on top of all that, I changed my equipment up to Sharp Eye and um, they've been feeling really good and, yeah, all my confidence was at an all-time high coming into the Newcastle event. So, yeah, it definitely helped. Yeah, I mean, I've been lucky enough to be training up at the High Performance Centre for the last year as well and watching you come through there and getting to train with you. It's been pretty special to see that growth and going into that event last week, you could just see you were so switched on and the boards look amazing. So I'm looking forward to watching you here at Narrabeen this week. It's where we're recording right now in North Narrabeen where I grew up. So hopefully I can give you a couple tips out the front here as the week goes on. But 
Let's talk about you touched on wanting to beat Gabby. One guy that you did beat at Newcastle, which was an absolute feat, and anybody who can say they've beat John John Florence is somebody in my eyes who deserves a lot of respect. What was the feeling like getting to beat John John at your home break? Um, it was an unbelievable feeling. I don't know. It's just once that hooter went at the end of the um, the heat and I uh, just was walking up the beach and all the grommies from Mary with the Board Riders and all my friends and stuff were like running down to me and, yeah, I just couldn't wipe the smile off my face. But, yeah, going into that heat, uh, I've never been so focused in my life. I, I don't know, just kind of like switched into a good headspace just before it and I guess – I had nothing to lose and he's got everything to lose. I'm the lowest rated surfer coming into all these or was the lowest rated surfer going into all of these events and versing the top seeds in the first three events um, is definitely, it was always going to be tough, I guess. And um, yeah, I just took it as an opportunity to beat the best surfer in the world rather than, um, oh no, I've got John John Florence. So yeah, it was good and it was a real good feeling to come out on top. Yeah, I bet. Speaking of, we touched on it short, but briefly at the very start of the podcast, you were carrying an injury going into the event at Newcastle and you've done this quite a few times in your career. I've been traveling with you for quite some time and you seem to be always carrying an injury. What was that injury into Newcastle like and what did that do for your mindset? How did your preparation change and did it kind of alter you and take the pressure off, do you think? Uh, I actually think, yeah, definitely. Definitely took the pressure off. You know, it was a massive roller coaster. Um, the first, uh, the first day after I did it, I, when I did it, I could walk up the beach, and I was thinking, "All right, I'm sweet. I'm surfing in this contest." And then I got home and was icing it, and I could barely like put weight on my foot at all. And um, bottle was like, "Oh, mate, like, don't get your hopes up that you're surfing because." We don't know, like you can't really walk on it at the moment. Um, let's just get the scans and see what the doctors think. And, and I was like pretty shattered, um, but I was always thinking I'm going to surf. There's no, not a chance I'm not going to surf in front of my hometown. Um, it was like a bit of a dream. Um, and then when all the results came back and they said that I could surf, I was pretty psyched. Um, and... But going into the event, uh, as you touched on, my preparation changed like as it completely changed like to the opposite end. I'd usually surf a million times before all of my heats, um, try and make sure I'm ready as I can be. And um, when it changed, I didn't uh, I didn't surf for four or five days, I think, before my um, heat, and then I surfed once in the morning, caught two waves, and did two cutbacks. And I was thinking, I'm done. What, what am I going to do? And I ran up the beach and said to Bottle, we're going down the beach after surf. I, haven't, I don't even know if I can do a snap yet. Um, keeping in mind my foot was still a bit sore and I like, didn't hurt on those waves, but I'd only done some like pretty much gone straight. So I didn't know if, it could, if I could hurt it doing a snap or anything. And uh, I went down the beach and did a snap and uh, I was just came in. I was like, all right, I can surf, I can surf. And then... Um, going out into that heat, I pretty much, um, yeah, had zero pressure on me. It was felt really good. Yeah, it's nice. And you seem to have done that quite a few times in your career. Where does that grit come from? It's something that I talk about a little bit in this podcast is having that that passion and that desire. We speak to a lot of athletes on here. 
where does that next level come from? Where does that switching off from the pain come from to just be like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I've got a job to do and I'm going to go succeed. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I definitely somehow never hurt myself until right before events as well. Um, but I guess when you want something so bad, you can kind of click into a new gear and um, I don't know, being a professional surfer has always been my dream. So I don't want to waste the opportunity that I got. Um, but also I try and keep in mind all the uh, possibilities that can happen and I don't usually take too much of a risk. Um, like, yeah, if if I can't, if I'm not going to be able to do it without hurting myself anymore, then um, if I've, yeah, seeked the right medical advice and they say, oh, you're not going to hurt yourself too much more than uh, I'll 100% push past the pain and um, try to do as best as I can. Um, but yeah, I always make sure that I'm going to be all right on the other side of it. <laughs> yeah, and you seem to always come out pretty bloody good and those yeah. results seem to follow when you're injured. All right, so we've heard the last week and a half of your life. We're going to rewind back to the start and catch back up to it now. Tell me about where you grew up, where you were born and what your family life was sort of from that young development stage up until let's say until you're about 12, 13 when you started to really get into surfing. Yeah, um, but I grew up in a uh, town up the coast near Yamba. Um, you might have heard of like Angari or whatnot and I uh, lived there till I was 12 years old but basically as a as a young fella I was uh, I still am a young fella but a, a micro grom um, I was pretty much just a little rat uh, just loved just running around um, pretty much grew up in a lot surrounded by a lot of bushland so I would just run around the um, bushes with my mates and make cubby houses and just run amok and um I uh, just the my earliest memories have just been surfing um my whole family uh love just the beach and the ocean and um surfing in general and yeah just I don't know just always I kind of like have learned just to like have fun with everything um never never in my like mind was when I was younger I didn't really have that like passion to be a professional surfer I just wanted to be a really really good surfer and be the best out of everyone that I knew and um, basically yeah I played a lot of soccer when I was younger as well and I thought I was the best soccer player ever <laughs> when I was little uh, until I uh, moved down to Newcastle and I uh, discovered I wasn't actually that good but <laughs> I was um, pretty good at surfing um, and yeah when I was younger I actually never used to make heats at all as well. So I was always in the middle of the pack pretty much. And yeah, I don't know. I just loved having fun and I always wanted to win as a big desire of mine. I'm so competitive with everything I do, whether it's chess or Scrabble or I don't know, even like uh, when I was a really young kid, I remember my mum telling me that I used to have a, when I got my first watch, I would ask her, well, what time are you on? <laughs> And she'd be like, oh, 12 o'clock. And I'd be like, yes, I'm on 12.01. <laughs> Just stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I've always been super competitive. So, yeah, then at the age of 12, I moved to Newcastle and kind of that's where it kicked off. Everything's a bit more competitive down in Mary with a surfboard club, kind of similar to North Narrabeen. And um, that's where I kind of um, just, yeah, started competing against better guys we have like older guys like Jackson Baker and those kind of guys who really push my surfing and the whole club in a gen in general has a really good 
really good depth and all the opens and stuff are really good. And yeah, moving down there, I still was having a lot of fun with all my mates and stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know. I never really thought that I was going to qualify until I kind of got into the 10,000s. And yeah, here we are now. <laughs> I want to quickly touch on your education. What was school like for you? Because that's something that I hold very dearly. And I think it's very important that those years when you're in high school are very important to your development. What did you like? What were you like at school? Did you enjoy it? And yeah. what was surfing to you when you were in those last couple of years of school? Uh, yeah, I really, um, I actually really loved school. It was, uh, love to hear that. It was, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it was, uh, I don't know. When you're out in the big, big real world, it's, uh, life can actually be really, really hard, you know? Um, you have to do adult things and adult things aren't always very fun. Um, but yeah, school was like, even if you don't like it, so much um you're still just having fun and learning and you're always going in there and you're getting to talk to your mates or hang out with your friends pretty much all day every day for (laughs) for 12 years of your life or whatever um and my mum really um schooling is the top of her priority uh she wanted me to do well at school more than anything and um I was always like a pretty uh, switched on kid, I guess, in school, but I didn't, I kind of was a bit of a smart aleck, kind of tried to be the class clown a lot as well. So I didn't really get in trouble too, too badly, but, um, I was always like annoying my teachers for sure. But, uh, I actually finished school in 2017, I think. And yeah, I finished my HSC, uh, got on 65 or something, which, is mediocre considering uh, did the ISA World Games for the two weeks leading up to the HSE exam. So I did no, zero study going into it pretty much. We were kind of just pretty busy over there. But, yeah, I actually really love school and it's pretty cool. Like, yeah, learning something, learning stuff's actually fun, I reckon. I love that. That's, <laughs> that's When I talk to people about school, that's something that I actually really loved and I think it's, important but like you said that's the best way to look at it learning stuff's fun and it's like kind of cool and i love that your mom was strict on you too i feel very ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Similar with my parents, but when you finished school, what was that next transition stage for you? Heading onto the World Qualifying Series is a big leap and you made absolute mincemeat of it. But what was that first year on the QS like heading into that prime year? Yeah, well, um, even before that, um, they changed the Pro Junior Series age down to 18 when I was 17, I think. I scorched a couple of people that were a bit older than me. They missed out on those top years at the Pro Juniors. Um, but even in the final years of the Pro Juniors, I um, really struggled. I didn't really get any results and I thought it was the end of the world that I couldn't get a result at all. I just getting knocked first or second round in most of my events and I was just like I'm done with surfing and then all of a sudden at the end of the year I got 
two results and I was at a high again. So I was thinking, all right, I'll do it, give the QS a crack. And then getting into the QS, it's like a whole different ball game, I guess, from the pro juniors. Uh, you're versing bigger, fully grown men and uh, you're only like a young uh, 17-year-old or 18-year-old. And uh, yeah, it was pretty tough. I didn't do very well. Same thing happened again. I lost every single uh, competition all the way up until the very end of the year where I um, came through. They just randomly all of a sudden put in like four or five events in Australia right at the end of the year and it was just all my mates kind of in it and then a couple other people as well and um, I found my feet a little bit and did well and then I was really at an all-time high again and that, that's uh, after that it was when I got into the primes so that was in 2018 I think and um, then <laughs> it's pretty funny it's a recurring thing at the start of 2019 I got knocked uh, that's when I got into the 6000s for the first time and all that kind of stuff and which is the second highest rated QS event um, and went into Newcastle which was which is one and then Manly and I think I got knocked first down in those flew all the way over to Japan made one heat there which is a huge throwaway result got knocked out there got knocked in all of the 1000s as well and <laughs> I was feeling pretty devoted um, and to get into the primes again for the second half of the year because as a cutoff I needed to get um, a round ninth of the US year. Open. I yeah. think I was there, I remember it. Yeah, ninth and I needed to get a round of 32, which is like a 17th at Belito as well. So I need like a ninth and a 17th. And I literally got a ninth and a 17th into both of those. So I just qualified for the second half of the year and then um, then we went to the Europe. Europe happened. Yeah, and uh, – all of a sudden um, my luck turned around in the second half of the year again and I uh, went into Pantin and that's a 10,000 and I got third and then all of a sudden I was in a qualifying position which was mind-blowing and um, kind of just got medi- mediocre results. I think you knocked me out in uh, Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, but, a quarters there or something or round before quarters. Yeah, round before quarters. But I want to like rewind to that real quickly because – that was a big moment. You were kind of, we talked, you said it a little bit before, like the underdog and being that guy that was never quite super successful being quite young, I kind of have parallels with Conor O'Leary almost. Like I was in his division growing up and me and Banting used to kind of be the top of the division and then I kind of just got lost in the back once we got older. But then there seems to be these guys that find their groove and find their feet right when it matters and right when they kind of mature into their surfing did anything change going into that Europe leg or was it just like, you know what, I'm against the big boys? Because I remember that event so clearly. You were just doing the biggest turns and kind of looked like you'd stopped really caring or stopped trying to get scores. You were just doing your surfing and it looked the exact same last week at Newcastle. Was that how it kind of felt? Because that's how it looked watching. You were just like, you know what, I'm just going to do the biggest surfing I can do. If I do well, I do well. If not. Um, it's actually funny. Um, I think it was in... The US Open, um, I don't know what it is, but I have this uh, weird breathing technique that I probably shouldn't share, but <laughs> no, nah, it's uh, nothing too special, but uh, I do this breathing technique before I paddle out in a surf and you might have seen Mick Fanning if you surf before his heat, he shuts his eyes and he says he uh, does some visualising and I kind of tried to like copy him in a way but take my own take on it and 
I just um, started just taking super deep breaths and um, and closing my eyes. And when I start doing that, um, it clears my mind completely. And uh, to start, I, I'll visualize um, stuff. And then all of a sudden after doing it for about a minute, which feels like 10 seconds, uh, my mind just goes completely blank. And um, then... I literally don't have a worry in the world. I don't care that I'm versing John John Florence. I don't care that I'm versing at that time um, Miguel, Miguel Pupo or Alex Ribeiro who are on tour in a left-hander with perfect airwind. Um, yeah, I didn't have a care in the world and I was just backing myself and knew that I could do the surfing and get the scores and um, uh, just, yeah, just have to had to commit and, yeah, that's when I kind of really found my feet in Pantin and from there that kind of helped me qualify. Yeah, because that run was so cool. Like, And I remember after Pantin, there was a moment I tried to talk you into coming to Spain with me to send it partying because Fisher was DJing and you were on the fence, on the fence, and you kept making heats and then you're like, you know what, I'm going to just go down to Irisiri and get ready for the next event and th- good on you for not listening to my yeah, stupid party habits. But, but it kind of... Uh, could have worked in my favour because maybe I would have beat you. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, because I went and did well in that event anyway. Yeah. But that was funny actually. That event for me, if I didn't get ninth in that event, I wouldn't have made it into Hawaii and I got ninth in that event yeah. and just scraped into Hawaii and got to be there for watching you qualify, which is what we're going to talk about now. For anyone listening, as a young pro surfer, the number one goal, like I think becoming a world champ is definitely – the kind of fairy tale goal, but I think the goal that most of us set is to qualify for the world tour. And I talk a little bit about it on this podcast. I've recently spoken to Griffin and Wade and a few other guys about it and Leo. For you, was that goal in reach in your mind going into Hawaii? Because I know you're carrying another injury into Hawaii and you needed two pretty good results. What was going through your mind going into Hawaii? Like it was your first proper year on the primes but was there kind of that belief and underdog feeling like, you know what, I can get there? Or was there like, oh, you know what, I'm just going to get some experience here in Hawaii? Um, I'm actually not 100% sure because the injury I was carrying then was much worse than the injury I've got now. Um, again, I pretty much didn't surf before I went over to Hawaii. And um, over there, I remember I did the maths before um, I got there. I did. I was just always just constantly I think doing I'd the sat maths. there with you in our room yeah. with you and Matt when we're sitting at my place, yeah. just like talking about numbers. I'm yeah. a, I'm a big math person, but yeah, yeah, keep going. So you knew what you needed. Yeah, I knew I needed to get um, round of thirty two and a quarters, which is round of sixteen because it's a four man heat. So it's quarters and the round before quarters, and never done the triple crown, been to Hawaii pretty much once before that. So second time in Hawaii and basically I didn't write myself off, but I was just there to have fun and enjoy the experience and kind of, as you said, like learn a little bit because I was only young. I am only young and I just wanted to learn for future, for the future. Um, you you know as well as anyone those events over there are so tricky and the waves are so hard and you definitely got to be surfing pretty good to kind of do well and um yeah basically I um had not much pressure on myself at all uh just yeah as I said I just wanted to have fun with it and I know like we're in pretty much paradise over there um 
when you're there for a long time, maybe sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Cause, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just was enjoying the experience and just being there with uh, a few of my friends as well, like you and Maddie and all the boys that are over there. It's just such a fun time. And um, going into Haliva, I just uh, surfed it twice, I think, before my heat ever. So it was my third ever surf out there in my heat. And um, uh, I think I, I had Ethan and he was killing it and I just made it through after him and, yeah, yeah, and um, he was yeah he was absolutely tearing over there. But once I I think I got one good result, and I was hitting some sections that I probably shouldn't have been hitting with half a knee there. And I don't know, I just over there especially you touched on earlier. How do you click in a gear? I just um, I don't know. I didn't have any thoughts in my head, which is probably a bit silly, but it worked. <laughs> Um, I just wanted, I just kind of wanted it, I guess in the back of my mind, I wanted to do well as a pretty competitive person, you know, winning comes not first before every, anything else. And, um, yeah, just, uh, once I got, I think I got 30, 30, 32nd there or the top 32, I'm not sure what result it was, 17th or something. Um, and then kind of, I was just like, whoa, I can actually, uh, do this at sunset now which was pretty mind-blowing. Uh, I think I got through three or four heats. And over there as well, you're also starting in a pretty early round because all the CT guys usually do the events as well. And, um, yeah, into going into sunset, uh, getting a quarters at sunset, I pretty much – it's a pretty tricky wave. There's some wobbles going through it. And, um, yeah, I was definitely – I just yeah, I had zero pressure on me and – um, I had uh, Kikoa, Bukowska, um, Bam, a.k.a. Bam. He's the Rip Curl team manager for Hawaii and he knows Halle Eva and Sunset like the back of his hand. And he knows Narab. He won a world junior title here. Yeah, I might have to call him up. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was amazing to have him at Sunset. They sit in the channel there and yell at you and scream at you and tell you what you're doing wrong. <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, he's was really good to have in the channel and pretty much guided me through every single heat and I wasn't surfing the best I've ever surfed but over there you don't really need to be real technical or anything you just have to do solid surfing I guess um and yeah just try get through (laughs) hanging on to dear life on some of those sections and yeah so I just did what I had to do and I will probably wouldn't have been able to do it without Bam. So, yeah, it was a pretty crazy feeling. Yeah, it's, it's so special, the connection you have with Bam and all the Ripkel team riders over there. It's really cool to watch. That's going to be one of the last things we chat about. How important has, have mentors been in your life? I know you work really close with Jay Bottle Thompson and Bam in Hawaii. What kind of stuff do they, that you're willing to share, talk to you about that you think really gives you, not that edge, but gives you that extra confidence in your own ability? I guess they don't blow wind up my ass very much. Um, like they're not telling me I'm the best ever. It's kind of you always want to be better. And um, one thing that's really good um, to uh, me and Bottle do is we always have we're always looking for people to train with. You know, um, have like Liam O'Brien. He pretty much qualified. He was so close coming into those last events in Hawaii that year, and he'll probably make it when he gets the opportunity of the Challenger Series runs again, ever. But, um, yeah, 
I train a lot with Liam and Maddie and guys at the HPC and yeah, uh, just kind of just always pushing myself and with bottle, one thing that I mentioned before that I love doing, um, it's like my favorite, pretty much favorite drill to do, even though it makes me so annoyed at the same time is uh, pressure drills and mind games as well. So uh, one thing that stuck out a lot um, before going over to Europe when I, when I qualified, um, it was me, Tim McDonald, uh, who was coaching Jacob Wilcox at the time, and then Liam and Bottle, and they set up a bunch of tasks for us to do before we'd paddle out and surf, and we had a twenty minute heat. One of one of the tests was we had a twenty minute heat, and it starts at twenty minutes, and there's all these jumbled up numbers on a piece of paper, and we had to count backwards from. 50 to zero and it took so long I remember to get and it's like your mind's just going 100 miles an hour and you're trying so hard to like finish it really quickly and um Jacob finished so straight away and then Liam finished not long after and then I did and um they were also doing championship tour uh scale judging as well so we needed to surf out of our skin to get um scored and yeah, I think just doing stuff like that, I, I think um, it was pretty close in the end, but we all pretty much, moral of the story, we got out there with five minutes to go all flustered and you had to like pull off a good wave in the end. You had to get at least a five or something uh, mid-range like that and I think we all did it or something like that. But pretty much moral of the story, like I love being put into uncomfortable situations where uh, it's super challenging and I feel like that's where you're, build yourself mentally to be able to convert when it's going hard, when you're in a tough situation in a heat if you're losing by a lot or somebody drops a big score at the start or whatnot and just settles the nerves a lot when I go into big heats, I think. Yeah, I think there's some really good lessons in there from being comfortable when you're uncomfortable with those drills. But also I think there's a big lesson in going into those big events that you've gone into with injuries not having prepared fully and giving yourself that confidence that, hey, I can compete and do well without preparation. Look at what I can do with preparation. So this is going to be the last little segment I talk about. With COVID, you were meant to go on tour, travel the world for the year 2020. It all got knocked back basically by a year. Do you think that year gave you the opportunity to prepare and be as successful as you were last week and going into this year, do you think you would have been able to carry that success if you went straight into it? 100% it did help me a lot. Um, I definitely didn't take, didn't make the most of it though, I think. Um, I kind of like had a lot of fun, I guess, um, in that time period. I was living at Yamba with my parents because they moved away and then halfway through the year I moved back to Newcastle and I kind of was just having fun and I was surfing a lot more than I could have with I, – I would usually with Ryan and Julian's down there as well and I was doing a lot of filming and that kind of like pushed me a lot but I definitely wasn't at my doing as much as I could to be the best I could until literally after Hawaii when I had the month and a half um, off. But uh, I think without that year I definitely – I would be getting smoked on tour um, – just like made me help me realize uh, how much I've got to improve and how much I can improve as well, especially with the help of being up closer to the HPC and bottle and all that kind of stuff. And um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Just, yeah, it definitely helped me that year off. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, nice. The last question I ask all of my guests, what does being a good human mean to Morgan Sibley? Good human. Um, I don't know, just literally having fun time. If you look at, um, I feel like I love looking at someone and if they're having a sick time doing anything, um, whether it's surfing or just picking up a bit of rubbish and they just always got a smile on their face. I think it's pretty cool. The person that's having the most fun is doing the best at what they're doing, I think. So, yeah, I love it when someone's having fun. Hell yeah. Great way to finish. So thanks for listening to Good Humans. Good Humans was presented by me, Cooper Chapman. Producer, Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.